the Spot Track Podcast, talking sports contracts, the salary cap, and business of sports. Today's edition of the Spot Track Podcast is presented by The Athletic. For sports fans, there's no better place to get breaking news, real time commentary, and powerful stories like the one we're going to break down today in the world of soccer than The Athletic, with comprehensive coverage and insightful analysis built around everything you need on every sports story that matters. Start today at theathletic.com slash track and get yourself 40% off your first year subscription today. We are also presented by Dynasty Owner. Do NFL teams assemble their rosters without contracts? Why do fantasy sports ignore them then? Play the only fantasy sports game that lets users face similar decisions that the NFL GMs do. The fun of fantasy sports plus real NFL contracts. Visit DynastyOwner.com Today, good Monday morning. My name is Mike Gennetti. I'm going to start with some quick NFL numbers, a little bit of a recap, a little bit of an update to some monikers that we've discussed in the past here, then bring in Scott and bounce around, bounce around the sports, literally bounce. And uh, we are going to get to that soccer super league and the financial ramifications, you know, why it's here, what kind of sustainability it might have, and, and maybe more importantly, what kind of trickle-down effect it could have from soccer to other sports and maybe more importantly, some American situations that have kind of been teetering with this kind of idea. And I think that now that this is back in the mainstream, could really get some legs, could really get some momentum. So Scott and I will do a long discussion on really the, uh, the nuts and bolts and the ramifications of that Super League in soccer. But first, NFL free agency is more than a month gone now, really. A month and two days gone. And I'm here to tell you that it's just more of the same. It surprises me. It really did surprise me. I really did think that we were going to have some sort of pullback, some sort of difference in the way that teams approached this March because, you know, everything we were, we've been told is that there was a lot of money lost. And of course there was. Um, I don't know if the, the idea of the television money that was being discussed so much and is now here, we, we now know the projected numbers and, and who's going to fall where and that uh, everybody's back, but there's, you know, Amazon's in and maybe Paramount's in and there's a lot more to come. Just feels like nobody really missed the beat. And the free agent numbers say as such, we are at 2.4 billion. That's where we were last year. Um, and the guaranteed numbers are better. They're markedly better. I've been for years now coming on shows like this and saying, we got to get ourselves over that 50% mark. If we can get ourselves over 50, that means shorter contracts, more impactful values, better, better cash flow, and more chances for players to get themselves back in the market, control their destiny, control their, va- their value. We're here, 2.4 billion in total contracts, 1.3 billion in practical guarantees, 55.6%, and, and 1.2 billion in guarantees at signing, 50.8%. Now this is gonna drop because we're gonna have another 50 to 60 minimum salary guys who get you know, $200,000 of 1.2 million guaranteed. So the numbers are gonna drop a lot because of those contracts. But as it stands right now with really all the impactful contracts signed, there's maybe three or four notable players still waiting. Um, and many of those will sign after the draft. But as it stands right now, more than a month gone, almost 51% guaranteed at sign. That's really good stuff. So you're going to push back and you're going to say, well, it's because the contracts are shorter. So of course the guarantees are better. That's what I said to myself as I was doing this research. We have 42 contracts signed in free agency this year that are three plus years in length. 
We had 47 last year. Slight drop-off. Slight drop-off. Five of those have practical lengths, right? The, the practical outs of three years. So five of 42 are actually going to be three-year contracts, in my opinion. The other 37 or so have outs after year two, some after year one. So just total values, you know, 42 contracts, three plus years, that's about where we should be. That's about right. And, and we may get a Mitchell Schwartz or a couple of other players that sign three-year deals in the next couple of weeks, which could get us closer to last year's mark as it is. In other words, again, we didn't see this major downturn that I thought we were going to see. 269 of 364 free agent contracts signed were one-year deals. So that's a big number. It's kind of what we expected. And you'll say, well, that's where all everything's happening here. We just got a lot of fully guaranteed $2 million contracts. So that's 74% of the contracts were one-year deals. So last year, 375 of 457, 82% of the contracts were one-year deals. We're going we're gonna to add them, like I said. The vet mins are coming in drones. So we're going to have plenty more. But even if we add you know, 20% more or 15% more, we're going to be right where we should be in terms of last year's production, last year's financial free agent numbers. It's the same as, same as always, is my point. We're just on this track right now. Okay. Yes, contracts are getting shorter. It's a good thing for players. Yes, they're getting more guaranteed. It's a good thing for players. And they're getting themselves the chance to control their destinies, which many of these veterans, many of these elite players have been begging for in every sport. And that's trickling into the NFL as well. Some quick, quick numbers. This one is the one. This is the takeaway from 2021 free agency. Most free agent contracts signed. Houston Texans, 34. That's an unbelievable number. Jacksonville, 19 is second. New England, 18 is third. 34 for the Houston Texans. And they don't appear to be done. I know they've got a contract offer out there for Nick Easton, offensive lineman. They're not done. They are, they are going all in on anybody who will come to Houston. That's really the, that's the approach. I, I don't know. I, I imagine we're going to have quite a bit of uh, July and August releases out of camp in Houston. There's no question about that because, yes, they don't have a ton of draft picks, but they will be drafting players and they will be signing UDFAs, and UDFAs are going to be cheaper than many of these free agent contracts. So I don't imagine many of these players stick, but 34 is a huge number. It is the number of the year fewest free agents signed as of right now. Rams, one. Packers, three. That's par for the course. Saints, four. Rams and Saints are here because of cap. That's it. Took them long enough and hard enough to get down to neutral. You know, trades, cap casualty releases, plenty of movement, tons of restructures. They, they did just fine getting there. And, uh, and now we're here. So, of course, they're going to they're gonna slow play this part of the offseason. They'll probably be in on some late, cheaper guys, these vet mins that I mentioned. They'll have their draft pick. They're going to have to maneuver to, to be able to afford those draft picks, by the way. So you may see some trade backs from those teams in order to make things a little bit cheaper from a draft pool standpoint. And, of course, the UDFAs, which many teams have been going to the well more and more for. They are cheap. Many of them can stick on rosters. We're seeing those percentages increase every single year, and we'll be tracking those again soon in the next month or so really 10 days from the draft. So two weeks away from UDFA season. Positionally speaking, uh, again, same as always. You know, you, you need your volume, depth, and cornerbacks and wide receivers. They lead the way. Your edge rushers are next, DEs and OLBs. And then 
defensive tackles was an interesting fifth place uh, total value signings here. That one's kind of snuck up on me. Generally, that's tight ends, um, offensive linemen. Offensive linemen are completely off the board here, and you can understand it. Many were released. Many have not been re-signed. We're starting to hear rumblings about uh, Villanueva, Schwartz, those players, Easton. Uh, teams are waiting for two reasons. A, they want the price to drop, and B, it's a hell of a draft for offensive tackles. We know it. So there's a lot of teams just pausing to see who falls to them, appropriately speaking, in this upcoming draft before they go and sign a vet to maybe supplant or take over for a current hole in their roster. Uh, but no offensive lineman at all on this, uh, on our, in our top five positional signings from the free agency. Most guarantees added. Here's where the Patriots did their damage. 155 in practical guarantees. Nearly double the next team. Jacksonville, 86. The Jets, 83. That's big, big stuff. And in terms of guarantees positionally, wide receivers lead the way, cornerbacks just behind them, defensive ends just behind them. So the usual suspects, big, big numbers. But uh, look, New England and Houston, for for very different reasons, I think, have been active. And New England has been active with respectability, with guarantees, with impact. They are trying, not only trying to sign players, sort of uh, in big numbers, but also in valued numbers, in guaranteed dollars. They want to start to rebuild that reputation that, that took a hit last year with their down year. They think they have a, a defense that can compete. They should. I believe they do. They got to figure out the quarterback situation over the next couple of months. Hopefully a couple of these wide receivers they've signed kind of fall into place for them, and they will be right back in at least contending for a wild card is probably where I have them with Miami for that AFC East division. Seems like Buffalo appears to be a clip of head, but who knows? Who knows? Who knows? Big numbers. So much of the same as always in 2021 free agency. We'll keep up with it, but uh, they hit the 2.4 billion mark. That's the big number that generally we get to every year. And this year was absolutely no different. Okay, let's switch gears, switch sports, bring in Scott Allen and uh, finish off the show. Scott, happy Monday. Uh, kind of bouncing around here sports-wise as per usual, but I want to start well, kind of really off the board. You had your first NASCAR experience, live NASCAR experience this weekend. How was it? What were your initial thoughts? What were your expectations? And, uh, you know, will you be back? Uh, I'll go with the latter. I will be back. My son will be back. He looked at me and said, this was awesome. Uh, it, it, I I didn't really know what to expect. Uh, as we were driving the, the buddy of mine that, uh, I went with, he, he was giving me some ideas and uh, he just said, it'll, it'll smell like a, a race when it starts. And, you know, once it got going and you smelled the rubber and, and, and the track was, you know, spinning around and all the dust and everything, it, it did smell like a racetrack. Um, you know, you and you and I growing up, we went to the small town tracks with our uncle and, mm-hmm. you know, I, I hadn't been to a race race in, you know, 25, 30 years. So uh, this was quite the experience. If you've never been to one, you absolutely, as a sports fan, just have to go for the sheer fact of the power and the noise is just unbelievable. The videos I took do, do not do any justice to not being there. Yeah, you, that's, you the, have- that's, that's the message I always try to convey, even just watching in television, is that we can't grasp just how fast it's happening. <laughs> no, you can't. And, and, and it's funny because being at Richmond, it's a short track. But even the, I was on uh, 
uh, turn one, we were like seven rows up from the, the walkway in the fence. So, you know, that turn one, you can hear the cars in the distance, but as they're revving up to come for like an, a start through start finish line, you know, you can just hear it coming like a, it's almost like a train coming at you with all the noise and power coming at you. Uh, w- when they first said start your engines, the, uh, you know, the ground just had this rumble to it. And it was just like something you've never really felt before because of having 38 cars all at the same time revving up and it was just awesome so did you have the full experience did you gamble (laughs) (laughs) you know it's funny being in the position that we're in i i sort of was looking out for the different things and there was a live wind betting uh outside the facility where you could register with a qr code right then and there and they'd give you a a hat i did not do that um (laughs) but you know the different sponsorships that are out there i mean toyota is their main sponsor so there is a gazillion toyota cars there yeah. you get you have your qr code to scan and you can register f- to win whatever you know it, it was just it was interesting from that fact my my buddy as we were driving up was like it, it was an eerie feeling to him because he has been to many many nascar especially at richmond and he said it, it was just crazy how the the lack of attendance that he's used to the line being all the way out to where when we first started getting there he's like there there should be cones here uh, there, we were able to get all the way up to the main parking lots and and had a pretty good spot for our parking um they said on the speaker that there was 30 percent capacity at richmond uh but you know, I, we tried to soak in as much as possible. We stayed. We saw the the burnout at the end. My, I even told my son when we were walking down the uh, along the fence, I said, hey, bend down, pick up some of that rubber, you know, just as a souvenir. So he picked up a couple pieces of rubber from the, the tires flying up onto the walkway. Uh, but, yeah, we, we walked along the fence as the cars were coming by and just the the wind, the force, it was, it was just awesome nice. to hear. Yep. All right. Let's not stick to sports with my, with my next question, because I know this is kind of near and dear to your heart as well. Um, you have any thoughts on what's going on with this Mars helicopter? <laughs> uh, it's awesome. Yeah, It's pretty oh, incredible. I'm, I, I was geeking out this morning. My, my wife was getting ready for work and she's like, what the heck are you watching? I said, the helicopter's <laughs> going to fly. So, you know, I, I'm a huge NASA science tech. I, I love that stuff. So I've been following it pretty closely. And uh, to, to see that video this morning was just amazing. Yeah, I'm, I'm on the site right now, just kind of clicking around and, and watching the graphics. And they're going to have a briefing in just a bit of time here. But it's, uh, boy, the tech has really come out a long, long, long way. And I hope there's some benefits to it. You know what I mean? I hope we really pull some news and some information, some data out of this soon, because it is a phenomenon happening for sure. And uh, something to keep an eye on. Like I said, they're going to have quite a bit of data coming back to us in a couple of hours here. So something to keep an eye on. Speaking of uh, monumental changes, (laughs) I guess we should get to the sports side of things. And, uh, you know, we're going to call it soccer for purposes of this podcast, because there is a football that we also deal with, but the global football that is soccer could have a major, major shakeup in the next year or so. Um, in terms of the super league, which I'm sure is something that every, every major, you know, outlet is talking about right now. 
I'm going to kind of temper the the major conversation because well, I'm going to start with this guy. What do your what do you think is the likelihood that this thing actually comes to fruition? I think it's highly likely because really? of the I, I do because of what has happened in the last year to two years. You know, if the money is there, they're going to go towards it. So I I I think there is a highly likely chance that this does get off the ground. I know we've seen some things that are, are similar. You know, we what two three years ago there was that talk of that what super golf league that they were trying to put yeah. together where they were going to pay athletes to come and, and really pay, have high payouts. Uh, but I don't think that's really come to fruition. Well, it's really I, interesting I, that is, you brought it up, Scott, because the, to me, that is one of the biggest concerns with this happening. You, we all know how big soccer is uh, globally. It's a, you know, a lot of these, a lot of the statements inside of the super league conversation is that the global aspect of soccer isn't being handled properly. I, in comparison to every other sport, uh, you know, what are they talking about is my first thought. But if, if soccer gets this done, Scott, if this happens, the golf situation, you know, what happens with baseball? What happens with another football league? The, the trickle down to other sports because of how big soccer is already, I think it could, could be a monumental. Co- I mean, we're going to get to it, but the college, the NCAA situation would be one a in line for a change if this thing if this thing happens in my opinion don't you agree yeah that is one of the first things that came to mind when i heard this and started reading about it was this is exactly what the power five conferences would essentially do to bypass a ncaa tournament and and do their own thing because they know they have in their minds the premier teams the premier athletes so why not just tailor to that and do what they want because then they would get 100% of the revenue out of it instead of having to share it with it throughout the whole NCAA. Yeah, so so let's sort of just break down the nuts and bolts of what's happening here. There's basically 12 is it 12 to 15 teams, uh, you know. Uh from what I read it was 15 founding and then 10 or and five qualifying teams that every year. Yeah. Every year. So basically it's it's a replacement for the Champions League system, the the, the UCL. So you know, right now, basically, you have to be top four, or top three, or, or win your league, or win certain, win the FA Cup. You know, in order to qualify for this major Champions League tournament, which is kind of the mecca of all soccer tournaments in the world. And you know, what's neat is that there's been a ton of parity in it. You know what I mean? There's been, um, you know, some of the smaller teams in, in the Premier League, some of the smaller teams from Italy kind of sneaking their way into this thing and then getting the opportunity to play major stadium, major broadcast television games against your Barcelona's and your Real Madrid's. So the, the, the David and Goliath side of it has been always interesting to me come to find out, you know, financially speaking, it's kind of a disaster for the big teams because um, you know, your major, your major franchises and, and these teams are all self-funded. Yes. They're heavily sponsored and that's how they live and die. But, you know, there is there is not really, a, you know, a, a system in place, sort of like the NCAA, where, you know, Alabama makes X dollars versus, you know, Xavier makes, you know, Y dollars. Um, so there's a lot of money be- at stake every single year. And for those major teams, for instance, to miss out on this Champions League is devastating financially. It's absolutely devastating. So a team like Arsenal right now, who is just a bag of bones on the field, They've got to be bleeding, hemorrhaging money on an annual basis because they're not getting to this pinnacle, which is, you know, 
that's where all the TV money is. That's where all the the prize money sits. And this is how they actually essentially make and profit is this Champions League. So when when a smaller team takes out an arsenal, the, the financial ramifications are huge to those major teams. So they want to subside all of that. They want to put basically all of that aside. They want the, the 15 most popular, most profitable teams in the world, you know, the, Bar- the ones I'm mentioning here, the Juventus, all those, to be standards in this tournament. And it'll basically be, you know, the best of the best, the, 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 the draws the most attention, draws the most eyeballs, draws the most dollars, will be here on an annual basis. And there'll be five slots available to some of those smaller teams, but probably not. It's probably going to be, the, you know, the same characters every year um, who qualify for a chance to play in this thing. And, and financially speaking, Scott, they won't have to pay out that that entry fee, essentially, right? That tax payment to the Champions League, which, from what I'm reading, will will increase their profits from a team basis, from a franchise basis, from 100 million to 400 million. It'll be a four times increase just by going this route. So that's obviously where this is driven: is the annual amount of money that they are guaranteed. Because there won't be any in and out for these teams. They'll be there. Their popularity gives them the right to be there every single year. Just based on how I laid that out, what are your thoughts? What do you like? What do you hate? Um, Is this too greedy from a franchise standpoint? Is this, I mean, could you imagine if the NFL did this with the the Cowboys and the Patriots and the Packers and, and, and the 49ers and kind of those long storied franchises where they were guaranteed a spot in the playoffs just because of who they are. I, I, for one, let's say this, this is a European super league. So it's not like teams from the North America, South America, they're not necessarily going to be in this from what we understand. So this is strictly European, but we're talking about, we're talking about different leagues, the, the highest teams of different leagues coming together. So I, I'd hate to use a comparison of the NFL because they're already one entity. I think more if it would be of a better comparison is NCAA. Just to jump in, one of the things I read pretty specifically was that this this Super League model is they want to mimic the NFL in some ways. They want to be a more stable product on an annual basis versus the the complete unknown. You know what I mean? They the the relegation promotion process is extremely damaging financially, you know, mm-hmm. extremely damaging. And none of these teams are really in danger of getting, you know, de- demoted in their, in their current leagues, like the premier leagues or La Liga or anything. But just, like I said, just missing out on this alone destroys them financially. So, uh, you know, they look at the NFL and the fact that, you know, the good teams generally get there every single year, and while there's no real demotion from it, the just the 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 kind of safety net that they have in getting to the postseason and attracting those extra dollars, which is so important, that's what they're seeking here. And is which, it selfish or not? You know. Well, and that's interesting because you know the, these are teams, like you said, that are in their respective leagues are used to getting to the playoffs and, and being or winning being in the top three of their league consistently. Now, if they go to the super league, it's going to knock some of them down and actually, you know, 
humble some of these teams to know, all right, we're not necessarily going to be the best team because there is going to have to be out of this cream of the crop. There's going to have to be a, some bottom teams. So from that aspect, you know, you're going to have, you're, you're definitely going to have more of these teams, you know, putting in more money that even though they're already putting a lot of money in, in some aspects, uh, you know, more money to get some of these premier players. Um, but I, I, I like it for the fact that you're, that they're appeasing the hypothetical of what if all these great teams just played against each other? Yeah. You know, it's, it's sort every of like year, though, every teams, year it's guaranteed. We could budget it. We could account for it. You know what I mean? We could sell the TV rights 15 years yes. out because Barcelona is going to be there whether Messi's there or not. Yeah, you're right. right. It's the consistency part of it. it, it and that is why the NFL signed their long-term 10-year yeah, mega streaming TV deal is because you have they ain't the going structure anywhere. in place. Yeah. They're not going anywhere. You know the teams are there. They may add teams. Look, they added an extra game because of this TV rights. So many things open up when you have the structure in place and you know what teams are there. When you have a relegation, you know, and you have a team that it's great to see the David versus Goliath, but when you don't know from year to year, you don't even know who's necessarily going to be there in 2022 or because of going up and down. So it's hard to market to a certain extent, especially if you're a team that isn't, is in the bottom tier trying to get in there, you can't even market that you're going to be in that champions league or sure. part of that schedule. I mean, look at baseball, baseball already has 2022 schedule probably ready to go at some point. They always have a next season's schedule ready to go a year ahead of time. Well, they, they that's can't. to their detriment too. <laughs> well, it, it is. To, that's it why is we to get 13 to four games on Sunday night baseball. Right. But I, I, I give them kudos to going down this route. Uh, it, it's like FIFA, you know, you get to pick, essentially pick the, the top team to play the other top team and, yeah. and see what you're going to get. I, now it, I find it interesting that this information has come out with what we talked about last week with MLS and league of MX you know, that information that has been disseminated last week, we're starting to see some of these. Some sort leagues. of a North American Super League, right? Yeah. In a way, it, you know, it's I wouldn't necessarily call it a, a Super League because <laughs> you still have the, the bottom of the bottom of both leagues that are probably going to be in there. But, you know, the fact that you're starting. I thought to you were going to reference the, the actual soccer being played. But yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm going down the route of. You're starting to see uh, a, a maturation of these teams yeah. and leagues trying to figure out what is the best possible way of making money and continuing to make money and grow as a global entity as opposed to just staying within their United States market, their Mexico market, their European market. They're really trying to expand themselves to try to, you know, offset some of the money that has been lost in the last year and a half, but also grow going forward. And like you said, that stabilization of knowing these are the teams that are in this league and we're going to move forward with the cream of the cream of the crop here. So one of the things I've always found interesting and, and maybe a little bit off about the Champions League situation is that 
the top four, for instance, out of the Premier League qualify for it, but it's next year's Champions League. So, for instance, you've got four teams that are primed to to, to sit atop. You know, your Man City's Man United. Um, I'm not even sure what the current standings are right now, but there are four teams that are that are going to finish top four in the Premier League right now will will qualify for the 2020 two champions league well <laughs> do you know how many things change over the next six months yeah there's a summer transfer window there's a jam- these teams are complete shells of themselves so you know it's like it's like if the best four teams in the afc and the nfc last year got to play in a tournament this year and a football tournament this year well could you imagine <laughs> could you imagine there's so much turnover for them for the most yeah. part um so that's always, and I, and the point of me saying that is, I just wonder if, a, this is ma- maximum pressure being put on UEFA to change the Champions League, which we all know that they've had to. It sounds like that the money is just there's some robbery happening. And oh, by the way, this is also a pushback on FIFA as a whole, who we all know now. If you haven't read or watched a documentary on FIFA, you've probably not been alive. I mean, there's so much corruption there; it's unbelievable. Not to mention like the the Olympic side of it, the world cup side of it, it's all dirty. It's been dirty. And, uh, you know, I just think that these are the teams that collectively have maybe more power than even those entities on their own. And you put 15 of these teams together and that is pretty darn powerful. So let's, let's touch base or switch gears quickly to why they're powerful. Scott, um, obviously there's merchandising, obviously there's butts and seats to see, these, any of these matchups, I mean, any of them, honestly, are just going to be the best matchup that week, no matter what we're talking about. And it does sound like, I think I read, correct me if I'm wrong, that these would be like midweek games. You know what I mean? These would be like Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday games to kind of make sure that they could sneak these in along with your Premier Leagues, your La Ligas, which your weekend generally outings. So these are going to be happening on Tuesday nights, you know, in Europe, um, which you know, the American market, Scott, they're going to eat this alive. It's going to be the best thing going in the middle of the week for the most mm-hmm. part. You're right. Almost always. So why, why now? Why this pressure? Well, I'm going to, I'm going to give you some information that I, even I found interesting and I watched this stuff maybe four times a week. I'm a total soccer nerd. So, um, look, they're denying like crazy that they're not involved, but it sure sounds like Dazen. D-A-Z-N. I, I'm sure you've heard of them. Yes. Um, that's the old ESPN gurus who kind of spun off, were fired, spun off, and started this new broadcast network, streaming network, which is boxing heavy. Um, a lot of this, a lot of the sort of mid sports, but they're now starting to jump into the big boy sports. So, look, they need to compete. You know, they need to start competing with their old bosses at ESPN, the obviously the NBC, CBS writings, the Fox writings. Um, and they need to make their mark. They've already acquired rights to Bundesliga and Series A. So, so they own basically Germany and Italy, which is not a bad place to start if you're getting yourself into soccer, into global football. Um, so they, they've already raised a bunch of eyebrows by doing that. The Premier League um, has been you know, NBC now for a decade or so before it was ESPN. And they are not very happy with NBC because NBC recently announced they're going to disbar disband the NBC Sports Network, the actual broadcast channel, which means that all, almost all the Premier League will be either be pushed to 
the Peacock system, the streaming system, and or a couple of games on the USA network, which who even knows where that is on your dial anymore. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, and they're, they're pretty ticked off about it, the Premier League. There's been a growing angst with it. They don't like the Peacock system for their streaming network because it's just not enough visibility. They want to as many eyeballs as possible on these things. They're paying, you know, the, the American rights are a big deal to, to the EPL. So that NBC contract expires after next season. So May of 2022, that'll be the end of NBC. I can't imagine as of right now that the Premier League would be, you know, free to extend with them anytime soon. They're going to let this thing go, which means... ESPN Plus, Dazzin, they're going to be in on this next bidding war for the Premier League, which would be a huge get. And there's been some maybe incorrect ties that Dazzin is also directly linked to this Super League that they have basically already said, you get it done, you get it approved, and we will pay whatever it takes to broadcast this thing exclusively. The thing's already, it's already financially backed by JP Morgan. So <laughs> there's no shortage of dollars being thrown at this thing from a financial backing. But if you've got the bank and seemingly, you know, you know a, a ready to go broadcast streaming network, kind of brand new technology, you, you can go whenever you get the okay. You're ready to roll. But that would also really change the landscape of this broadcast system. That would be a gigantic win and a gigantic hit. To, to the American network, Scott, to the NBC, to the to ESPN Plus, who w- would miss out on this? What are your thoughts about all of this? Is this maybe some gamesmanship, or is this really just a is, is this a real thing? Well, it's probably a little bit of gamesmanship in there, but I, I think it's a real thing. You know, they if you're starting up this league, you know, the league itself. uh, let me rephrase that the sport itself, they already have the rules. It's not like they're making up new rules and, Mm -hmm. and and that kind of stuff to actually play the games. They're just taking teams and forming a, a league inside of that. So, you know, whether they have rules for the cap and they have to have, if they're going to have a cap or they are going to be open still, or however that structure is going to play into it. Um, I, I don't know, but as far as these broadcasting rights, you know, if you have the league in in this streaming service already has the platform, all you have to do is, you know, technology wise, get that working. And if they're already in place in Europe, you know, like you said, with Germany and Italy, they they probably already have everything in place totally. to be able to to navigate towards that because they are already in know what European law is happening and all that as far not to say that ESPN plus an ESPN isn't but if they're already in that market they probably already have a leg up to say we're already streaming these soccer games in Italy in Germany we're ready to go you just have to give us the rights and we can do it tomorrow you know that that's a huge leg up for them so Dazen is sort of a co-chair run, run by John Skipper who was the big big guru at, at ESPN before he had some personal issues that kind of kind of showed him the door but you and I have heard him speak quite a bit Scott and yeah. he has made it very very clear very clear that it is live sports or nothing, right? So all this riffraff that ESPN is trying to do, you know, with the uh, the details and the boardrooms, and the, it's all good stuff. It's great stuff. 
it's just not going to drive the ratings. It's not going to, it's not going to put money in the bank. It's not, it, it is ancillary. It is supplementary. It is accessory. And that is clearly what John Skipper is saying out loud here that we, we, we will, we will stop at no cost to ensure that we have major live sports in our system and almost exclusively. Let me ask you this. Have you been in the DAZN, however we call this, DAZN? I have not. Is uh, it DAZN? Is that it? That'd be awesome. I, I think it's DAZN, yeah. yeah. My apologies uh, for the have you pronunciation. Been, have you been in their platform? I'm going to go there to, right now. How's that? The, the, the reason I bring it up is the ESPN Plus platform is kind of hard to navigate, in, yeah. in my opinion. It is not built for a live sports user aspect, you know, it, it's really hard to go and find certain entities. Um, you know, sometimes it, it, there's a lag when having to you know, click on a live game and you got to log in because the session times out really sure. frequently. So I, I'm curious to know if the platform for DAZN is, is better tailored to, you know, if they're going towards this live sports, I, I have not been in it. Uh, like we, like you said, we've heard a lot and heard John Skipper talk. Mm -hmm. uh, but I was just curious if you had uh, what your thoughts. But if you haven't been in it, we can't. Yeah, go down I'm looking at it now. It's got a very ESPN Plus feel to it, as many of those streaming platforms will now. Um, you know, how can they be better? How can they be different? I don't know. I, I, is it just basically an internet connectivity at this point? You know, the the platform, the, the mo mobility of it. Can you take it with you easily? Uh, I think ESPN is doing a pretty good job with that. But look, ESPN Plus didn't get the NFL ticket. That stays with DirecTV sort of unbelievably for the next whatever years. And, uh, you know, they they seemingly don't have a, an upper hand on major sport, soccer either. They've got Champions League. They do have uh, La Liga they, right now. So They have MLS too. And they have the MLS. But, you know, how much is that actually bringing in right now? But um, I wouldn't consider that major soccer by any market right now. So... There's a, they're a step behind and I think they know it. And I think, you know, DAZN knows it. And this is a major step towards, I mean, this puts them on the map. Let's put it that way. If they've got these teams playing, you know, a couple, a couple of weeks every month throughout the spring, that's major, major eyeballs to their network. That's major monthly subscriptions. And uh, I, I just think there's some gamesmanship in terms of the broadcast side of this as well. There's no question. I brought up the, the, you know, quote unquote CBA aspect, you know, you, you have these, and from what I read, these teams are still going to play in their domestic right. leagues. Correct. So, you know, maybe if I retract, you know, maybe there isn't going to be a, a care on how they structure their teams from a financial standpoint, they just want to play. Uh, so I'm curious to see if they do go down any kind of road with that, or they just want to play. Well, I'll say this and I'll say the chances of this actually happening, Scott, are about 25% right now, just because okay. there are bigger parties at hand. You know, there can be discussions for, for altering what's currently there. And I think that's eventually where we get to, you know, let's, let's slide more money in a couple of directions. Let's pull back on a couple of restrictions make everybody happy for another four or five years and we'll, we'll have this discussion again. But the fact that this discussion is here, the fact that it's out, it's going to be mainstream for, for basically all week. This is Monday morning. Um, I think it's going to give some serious legs to college football, serious legs to your Alabamas and your, you know, your entire SEC, your entire big 10, your entire big 12. Um, you know, wh what happens there? Are they satisfied with this bowl structure? 
did they miss, you know, not having many bowls this year? Did they miss not having conference championships? Was it that big of an impact to them? Or could they subsidize slash, you know, increase not only their visibility, but their financial intakes by doing something like this and creating some sort of power five playoff where you're basically guaranteeing yourself the, that the three or five, four or five major conferences have this kind of broadcast, you know, mania in January, in early February, whenever it's going to be with current college football teams. Um, I think it has a real chance, Scott. And I actually think I actually like the the prospect of that more than I like the prospect of the Super League. I, I really do. I think it's got there's a much g- more graceful transition to what we currently have to what could be, because all these th- these are already tied to networks. These these conferences all have their own networks. They already have the broadcast, right? So you just have to combine for one situation similar to how we see our our American networks do in some in certain events. Don't you agree that this could happen if there's a real push for it? Oh, absolutely. I mean, look, we just referenced the NFL. Don't you think bowls really took a hit with this pandemic? Like, did we really care? <laughs> uh, I, I can't even remember if I watched any bowls, exactly. to be completely honest. You know, but like you said, you just mentioned these league, these conferences have their own SEC network, yeah, the Big fully Ten functional. network. It, it, and they are fully functional. But if you brought in if you packaged the the big 10 network and the sec network and all of those individuals and those power five came together as a quote unquote one, and you had an ESPN or DAZN or whoever Amazon, you know, bid on combining all of those into one streaming network, because then they would have their own bowl structure, their own, whatever, you know, their own playoff structure, not necessarily having bowls, but an actual full fledged playoff system. Then, you know, I, I can't even imagine what the, the bidding war would be for something like that because college football touches a lot more people because of alumni, sponsorships, et cetera, than NFL or NBA or anything like that because of the niche markets that you have for those. So if you hit those college markets, you know, you're, you're not only going to get national marketing, but you may be able to include some of the, the local marketing in, in of course. trying to you know, get those fans or the, those alumni and all those different aspects in there. I, I, I can't imagine what the, the, the dollar signs would be on if they were able to combine that into one streaming network. It would just be crazy. Uh, and look, this new transfer policy, <laughs> uh, you've basically unleashed free agency inside of inside of the NCAA where uh, it's so easy it's so I mean there's what a, a thousand plus players available on the transfer in the transfer portal right now it's real I mean if, if these major power fives want well, any top- player from a mid-level conference they can get them tomorrow it is that easy right now for the rich to get richer in college sports and when that happens when you're going to be competing and, and there's going to be clear monopolies for these players, you know, even one, two years into their career, you know, athletic careers, it's just more and more push to put those major, major teams into their own pool and get them away from everybody else because that's how the play is going to be on the field anyway. The, you know, Alabama playing some nobody in early September, it's going to get even worse 
with this transfer situation, with this basic free agency. It's going to get even worse, Scott, because the, like I said, the rich get richer, the, the less get lesser. If it's if we're allowing this already, let's just keep going and split the divisions accordingly and, and let true college football be true college football and let this power five situation just be semi-professional, which is what it is anyway. Well, and, and I was ap- actually just going to go there. Let, let's let's go there. If they if they do secede from the NCAA, you know, and and they do have a quote unquote a free agent type system where you know the, the t- a player can go wherever. We haven't even mentioned within all of this the likeness for these college I athletes know, because that, I don't know how it works yet. I, you no, know what we, I mean, like we, I'm so skeptical that that the teams that the schools are actually going to stick it out, stick out their necks for their players. I I just I don't trust them, you know. I don't either, but for the fact that if you go down this road where you do a split off, you you have your own streaming network, you allow those players to be in commercials and get the ad, you know, sure. get the money. And if they get away from the NCAA, technically if they wanted to go down that road, they could allow and the college probably doesn't want to go this route, but you could open it up so those athletes could have an agent and not be penalized for having those agents to help them maneuver all the minutiae that are going to, sure. that's going to happen with that. So there are a lot of uh, dominoes to set up. And when you drop the one first domino, there's going to be a lot that are going to fall after the fact. So, you know, they have to figure out all of those logistics, but I, I think with the rules that are in place, you made a great point. We're, we're, tailoring towards this semi-professional where it's a extremely fine line between college athlete, college sports and semi-pro athlete while being in college. Such a big discussion in American sports, isn't it? I mean, baseball is basically ripping up their minor league structure. We don't know to what degree just yet. The NBA can I mean, conceivably is pushing towards a more formal one with the, with the expansion of the G league. And now this Academy, which is going to supersede college basketball in some degree and send some of these kids right into basically NBA training. Um, you know, the NFL is what it is and there there's been attempts, you know, there's been changes with college football. Uh, it seems to me like college football and, and the current NFL product are as closely aligned in terms of the on-field stuff as it's ever been. So now would be the time for, this power five situation to, to just mold into a precursor to the NFL, whether it's, uh, whether it's semi-pro, whether it's minor league or whether it just remains collegiate, but with this likeness, with this, with this additional broadcasting and just more money in pockets before these kids actually turn pro something, something evolutionary seems to be coming because it just seems like the stars are aligned. Agreed. My question is, what is holding back, you know, these conferences from leaving the NCAA as it is, you know, is, is there something legalese? Is there something mm. financially tied? There, there's gotta be something that this hasn't come out or hasn't. I don't know the logistics for. between splitting like just football off either, you know, because that's all we're talking about here. I mean, you're not going to take your crew team out, you know? <laughs> right. right. And, and, and is that a, a, you know, a breaking point where if if you if you take football away, your entire college system in Alabama is all part not part of the NCAA anymore. Yeah. You know we've had we've had some 
crossover with like wrestling. I know you have some D2 teams that have a D3 wrestling team, and that was the school that I went to. That happened. Um, so I know you have some some vertical changes, but if if you have a big SEC, all those teams go away from the NCAA as a whole, does that mean all of their softball, all of their swimming? Because if I just that think, is the case. I think, I think we have to get to a point sooner rather than later. And Emily Karen and I have talked about this quite a bit where, you know, you know, even if there's not a formal readjustment, Scott, like we're kind of laying out here where the power fives or whatever football in itself maybe becomes its own entity. I, I do think that the, with this pandemic and, and with the, the massive losses and revenue that, there has to be a change in how these universities and these colleges fund, um, you know, budget, bank, forecast, just the rest of their uh, their existences. You know what I mean? Like, we can we stop comparing baseball to to any other to, to football or basketball or any other collegiate sport? We just can't do it. It's not even close from a revenue standpoint. It's not even close from a marketability standpoint. And nothing against those other sports. I love many of them. And I'll, I, I watched women's college volleyball yesterday for two hours on ESPN, whatever, news, I think. I don't even know what I, where I was, but I was down that rabbit hole for a bit. Um, but we have, to stop, we have to stop letting football dollars trickle down, is my point. And I understand that's an easy way to sustain and to, and to just let things happen. But there's going to become a time soon, whether it's this year, next year, five years, that the, that football really does segregate and takes itself away. Mm-hmm. And it, it, we just can't have those other sports disband because of it. You know what I mean? Like it's time for the collective NCAA to maybe start to consider themselves in two separate units where one is profitable and one is not. So that they need to fundraise, they need to properly... Whatever it, whatever it takes to keep these sports, because that is the essence of the NCAA. It's not football and basketball. Yes, that's the most popular part of it, and that's what most of the eyeballs are on. But the fact that there are all these unique, you know, non not as popular, not as promoted sports inside of the uh, of the conferences is the essence of college sports, and that's really what what athletics is all about at that level. You know, the amateur level. So. I just hope that there's a real discussion, financially speaking, about how we make the sports on the left work separately from the sports on the right. And if there needs to be an actual division or an actual split in, you know, one is NCAA and one is not anymore, fine. But let's not let college football and college basketball just completely go away on their own and then we be blindsided and have to lose 80% of the other athletics. That can't happen. Yeah. There's been too many yep. things. There's been too many signs, too many tea leaves to read to know that, look, something like this is coming. And like I said, and just to bring it back full circle, this soccer conversation is only going to make this come up again, Scott. We're going to start hearing about it. We're going to start hearing about the super, the power fives and how much more important they are to the rest of the country and blah, blah, blah. It's fact. But let's just get our ducks in a row so that we don't lose 80% of college sports when, if, and yeah. when you know, these big schools decide to do this. And I think it's probably likely. Yeah, that, that, that is an absolute great point. If it does happen, let, let's not lose those other right. uh, sports because, you know, a lot of those athletes. We're pouring are, thousands of dollars into youth sports right now. Families. Yes. <laughs> Families are pouring thousands into their kids' hockey team and their kids' soccer team and gymnastics tournaments that are all across the freaking country. Okay. We, we are used to paying for our kids. And 
when we send them off to college, you know, that's like the that's the goal. That's the milestone is to get these kids division one, division two, something, some kind of next level of these athletics. The, the whole system is just bonkers wonky. I mean, if watch a documentary on that, if you need to be enlightened, but um, you know, we are privy to pain right now for our kids athletics. So if we have to put a hand in that as well, I'm, I'm going to guess that's where this is coming from. Let's just get ready for it. Let's just start to put, you know, start to put the documentation out there, start to start to put us in that direction but I, I just don't want these sports to go away. It would be so bad for the country as a whole that it just need, needs to continue moving more and more as it is. Literally moving, physically moving. Uh, let's let's start to get our ducks in a row. All right, good stuff on that. Um, let's postpone our little wide receiver game for the next show because we got long-winded on this one. Any NBA news to bring up here at the tail end, Scott? Uh LaMarcus Aldridge had to retire due yeah. to some health concerns. I uh, saw, so I know you tweeted out about that. So uh, unfortunate situation where he, he just had to pull out and maybe those buyouts weren't as good as we thought, huh? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then some people were saying, you know, the buyout as a whole overrated. I've, I've heard for and against the whole buyout situation. We went down that road. Yeah. Um, it's just unfortunate that, he couldn't finish out the season. He had to retire with, uh, what, 20-some games left. Um, other than that, we're seeing a lot of 10-day contracts. We're seeing a lot of two-way contracts being signed to standard contracts. Um, we're seeing Steph Curry play out of his freaking mind. Oh, he was out of his, he was out of his mind. <laughs> all month. He's been 40, 40 points a game all month. It's been insane. I, I stayed up for that uh, Warriors Boston game yeah. that Tatum and him went for over 40. And it was just, uh, you know, the shots that were being made were absolutely astounding. So we're, we're gearing up towards this playoff push and you're going to start seeing some teams really put the pedal to the metal just to make sure that they're in there because the, the standings are still, you know, that, that middle of the pack, like it's been yep. for the last three months, that middle of the pack is still jam packed. Teams are trying to get, whether it's into that uh, play in tournament or just get into the four, five, six seed so they don't have to do that play in tournament and know they're officially in. But, you know, one win can go from the eighth seed to the fifth, fourth seed. So it, it is going to be a, a slug fest going down to the end here. Last thing we're 15 games in 20 days into the major league baseball season. So obviously there's no need to analyze anything, but <laughs> the last place, New York Yankees, Scott five and 10, they've got a payroll of $201 million right now. Second only to the Dodgers. Um, what kind of leash does Aaron Boone have as manager of the Yankees out there? A, a, a very short one. I would, right have, now, to I I would yeah, have to imagine. Yeah, I would think so. With, with with the roster that has been put together for him, and well, you know, we had a, we had a show specifically that asked. I asked Lindsay Adler from the Athletic, the Yankees beat. Did they do enough? And she was convinced that they did. And look, it's early. It's really early. And they're going to figure some things out for sure. But I, I, I wasn't convinced, Scott, entering 2021, that they had done enough. I thought they nickel and dime their pitching approach. Yep. And I think we're seeing that right now. Yeah, I, I agree. I think 
from from people that I listened to felt the same way. They 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 shortchanged their their pitching staff. They were sort of hoping that, you know, that the Yankees have been a team. They limped into this season again. They they for some reason they've had all of these injuries that have yeah. been a detriment to them for the last few seasons. And something's something's gonna have to change for them. But like you said, it is early. Fifteen out of 162 things could change at the at the drop of a pin, but right now I, I think there there has to be a, a little bit of panic in there for the amount that they're spending and the production that is happening on the field. They are still twice over the AL favorites to win the World Series. Yankees plus 550, White Sox plus 1100. That's your AL right now. So Vegas thinks they'll figure it out. They're also 200 points behind the Dodgers at plus 350. So, um, who are phenomenal, you know, not maybe not the world record setting regular season team just of yet, but plenty of time for them to figure it out as well. They, they look really, really good. And Mookie Betts is, uh, I can't believe one of those guys you can't believe got traded. <laughs> That's who Mookie Betts is. And I'm yes. sorry, Boston fans, but he's going to be that guy for the next couple of seasons. At least he is that freaking good in every facet of the game. So, um, it's early. There's plenty of storylines to keep up with here. The Padres Dodgers series was awesome. And we get that again next weekend in primetime as well. So if you're uh, not yet into major league baseball yet, I know how some people don't get there until maybe the summer, but that is one to watch. If you're going to watch anything this weekend, that's the one to start watching. There's some angst. There's a little anger. There's some swag. Uh, obviously some uh, local rivalry there. It's there's a lot of fun players to, to at least follow and root for or against. So get yourself involved in the West Coast baseball this year. It's uh, it's there, and the Angels are good. Mike Trout can play. Don't you know? <laughs> secrets out, and they may have a competent roster. So West Coast baseball. How about that for a, a takeaway? Twenty days into the baseball season. Other than that, uh, NFL is I don't know quieting down. It's it's really hard to follow the NFL right now. I'm going to finish on this. It is misinformation season. <laughs> okay, for. <laughs> We're 10 days away from the draft, which means you can believe nothing. Not No beat reporter, no friend of a friend of a player, no agent. No, You can believe nothing. It is all smoke and mirrors right now. It is all trying to get everybody else off the scent, including other teams, so that you know if there's a possible trade up or trade down, nobody wants to torch their value right now. It's the one time where integrity matters in terms of social media, whereas you know, Andre Drummond is going to get traded from Cleveland and they, they freaking announce it themselves on Twitter, the Cavaliers. Yeah, we're, we've made a mutual agreement to put Andre Drummond on the bench because we, we're going to move on from him in an in a, in a amicable way. You're never going to trade him. Never, because you just tweeted from at Cleveland Cavaliers <laughs> that you're done with them. That's, that's, that's trading 101. So this is the actual time of year when they try to maintain some integrity. So take everything with a grain of salt. There's your PSA for April 19th. It's, it's going to get ugly over the next 10 days. All right, my you, thanks. Go ahead. Just let one more thing. You, know, you mentioned the draft. We had the WNBA draft. I want to give them their mm-hmm. due diligence from... Uh, last week, you know, if if you're into basketball, you know, check out. Uh, we've got the draft tracker up there. What their projected contracts? Some have already signed. Yeah, half a dozen or so uh, already signed. Yeah, the rosters are coming together. Look at 25 it, it, years, and a lot of people still laugh at the WNBA, and I get a lot of comments on Twitter. It's fine. People are people. 25 years is no slouch. This is a real deal. And look, there are some real players that just got drafted. You, you may have watched them in the 
in, in the NCAA championship games. The, there's some real talent, and there's maybe even more talent coming next year and the year after that because that women's college tournament was fun. It had superstars. It had characters. There's charisma. There's some marketability in these girls. It's uh, Oh, my God. We have to say this before we finish. There's also a women's Super League plan for soccer. This is important. Yes. This is I an important that. finish. I'm yes. glad you brought up the, 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 the women's side of things. So this is going to be a major hit to American women's soccer if this happens. Because you're going to lose your superstars, Scott. You're going to lose these, these players to back to Manchester's and, and, and Chelsea's and Arsenal's. They're yep. going to go play in this Europe League because there's major money to be made in this Super League from a women's standpoint. And obviously the American women have been fighting like hell at, you know, in the well, courts and the those, Congresses. Some of those American women have already been over there for the last six months. You know, Alex sure. Morgan and some of those other yeah, high-profile yes. teams. They, they, they've already transitioned to some of those higher premier teams over there. So you're right that that could be a huge hit to American soccer. If, if that does come to fruition in yes. the next few years. Um, so something to keep an eye on. Okay. My thanks to the athletic who had a great piece on the super league, by the way, we, uh, we always use them for our, for our show, get, you know, preparation. And this was no, uh, no different today. Great piece at the athletic on this and plenty more visit the athletic.com slash spot for 40% off your first year subscription. Check out DynastyOwner.com. Get yourself a Dynasty Fantasy Football League with your friends, with other competitors, for cash prizes, or just for fun. For Scott Allen, my name is Mike Gennetti. Thanks for listening to this edition of the Spot Trek Podcast.